Welcome to a live episode of the Ski Podcast. I'm very excited. We're on Facebook, adding to the the, the treasure trove of Facebook lives that exist um, ever since the coronavirus kicked in. We thought we'd join in. Um, there was some talk about one thing you shouldn't do during coronavirus, Ian, is um, not to be a pair of middle-aged men who set up a podcast. But we're lucky because we started it about three years ago. So we are absolutely fine in that area. Um, we are sponsored by Switzerland Tourism, as always, which is pretty exciting. Um, it's a great place to go and ski and lots of stuff happens in Switzerland and got the best ski resorts in the world. I didn't write into it today, Ian. Um, Ian, big question. Have you been ski- uh, skiing since the last time we spoke? You know what, Jim? Surprisingly, I haven't actually been skiing since we last spoke. But did you see that uh, video that I shared via Skipedia earlier this week? This uh, is the one of the the guy who built the the kind of. Hang on, are you are you trying to claim job. you're the only person that shared that video? <laughs> no, I'm not trying to claim that. Although it did go quite viral, which was I nice. I think you'll I, find the ski podcast shared it before. I stole it uh, uh, from elsewhere on the internet. But that guy, you know, his kids went skiing. Yeah, they did. I mean, what a thrilling uh, ride it was, and it was one of my questions for, for you. And are you planning on building a ski lift in your back garden? The kid did ask me about it, but uh, my my DIY skills, you know, would just about go as far as putting up a shelf. Uh, constructing a chairlift isn't going to happen. Can I tell you one comment I saw on there when I shared it? I think it was, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or uh, on, on Facebook. But, you know, most people took a load of joy out of that. It was amazing, wasn't it? This guy had gone through the effort of, of building a whole ski lift in his garden. His kids got to go down like a two or three meter slope and one curmudgeonly person on there said huh, that's just what the nhs needs another trip to a and e uh, i think they're right absolutely right that person that um, person is definitely a glass half empty kind of person yeah before we carry on this conversation i do want to say Ian, to anyone who's listening um if you've got a question um that you want to ask in this ask jim and ian q a or if you've got um, a story you want to share that maybe we can better um drop it in the comments of the facebook page or you can direct message us on Facebook or even email Jim at the Ski Podcast. And I keep an eye on that. Um, and I'll ask your questions um, as they pop up if you want to do that. Okay, so do ask us questions because it's the whole point of this. Otherwise, we're just going to be sat here like this. Um, so that's what could happen. But hopefully we've got questions. Um, back to that though, Ian. Um, I was thinking if it's snow, which is looking unlikely, looking at the forecast, there is nothing, nothing forecast before the the theoretical end of the season um uh, i would have i've got some ropes and i was prepared to put a little drag lift in the, in the back garden um but that won't happen but when i went for a run the other day i did see three guys they found a really um a, a, sh- a shady patch of snow um and they put up a few rails and um they've hidden it quite deeply in the forest right so, okay i mean I, I did want to say do you mind if i take a picture of this um video it and put it on the internet I'm pretty sure the answer would have been, get lost, son. We don't want to get a massive fine, thanks. Right. Okay, so people are being inventive as long as they can't be seen. Yes, that's exactly it. Look at that, Ian. Uh, on our platform, we're using that things pop in. Hi, David Morley just says, hello, chat. He's just checking in. And Chris Price says, uh, morning, everyone. Hope you're all keeping safe and well. This is a nice system. Hey, David Moore. I know him, and it's his birthday today. Big up, David. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, David Moore. Um... So I've got another question for you, Ian. What's the 
What's your favourite ski resort Oops. you've never been to? Is this a question for me? Yeah. Is your name Ian? My favourite ski start resort. At the beginning? I, my favourite ski resort I haven't been to. Yeah, your favourite ski resort you haven't been to. Like I personally, I spend a lot of time writing for about ski resorts that I've never been to. Um, shameful, um, shameful, obvious thing to say. But um, I really would love the one I write a lot about is Banff. I'd like to go to Banff mm. and experience those three resorts there. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, I suppose uh, the one that did leap into my mind was Whistler, but maybe Japan. I'd love to. I'd love to ski in Japan. I. I'd like to do that experience, you know, one time. One time, one experience in Japan. Or maybe live there for a bit longer. <clears throat> yeah. There we go. Um, the next question I've got for you, Ian, and I'm interested to know your answer to this. Um, what's your opinion on people singing on chairlifts? I find it happens quite a lot. People are sat on chairlifts and they have a good old sing song all the way up. Are you keen in that? Do you like that? Is that something that appeals to you? Have you ever done it? Has anyone ever listened to it? <laughs> uh, I'm not. Maybe I've uh, done it. I'm not really so keen on it. Um, I'm particularly not keen on um, people who have those Bluetooth speakers and inflict their music upon everyone else. But that's because I'm, uh, like you, a middle class man who set up a podcast. Uh, I said middle age. I am a far oh, middle age, class. middle age and middle class. Let's just make it clear that I'm completely opposed. I am blue definitely blue collar working class. Ian. How <laughs> dare you say I'm middle class? Just put it on. I put the accent on to sound it. Um, just notice in the screen, my beard is actually quite large. At the beginning of confinement, this is not. I'm not <laughs> jumping on a beard growing bandwagon um, for <laughs> confinement. This is um, genuine. My um, uh, my clippers broke on the first day of confinement. So I haven't been able to shave. There you go. That's my interesting fact. Um, those people listening, and there's a guy called Tom De La Haye. He says, great pod. I've tried to review on iTunes. However, my tech ability has let me down again. That's a good question for you, Ian. How can someone review us on iTunes? How can they review us on iTunes? I guess they need to, probably if they go to the uh, website, in the links... Uh, in the website, you can subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. So I'm pretty sure if you went to that, then you'd be able to um, you'd be able to review us. Then, I mean, I just go to iTunes. I can see it in there. I might not be able to help Tom, but you know what, Tom, you could just recommend us on um, uh, recommend us on Facebook, maybe. There you go. Um, I'm just trying to take a picture for um, David Moore, who wants to see some green fields out there. There's, there's side of my house so here we can right. that, please. not a very good picture but you can see it there you go terrible picture i'll post that um into the stream when i've got some ability to do more than one thing at once um there's loads of stuff um coming in um a lot of questions there there's a lot of questions well um come to this we were talking about singing on cellos and i wanted to net the, the follow-on question to that in is how do you feel about animal noises on a, on a cable car. It used to be very popular in the 80s, or early 90s. People would get in a cable car um, and they would start mooing um, as if they were cattle crowded in. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it goes in the same camp as your feeling about jester's hats. It really shouldn't happen, should it? Jester's hats. Imagine mooing in a cable car with a jester hat on. That would be <laughs> outrageous. Um, we are going to be joined shortly by a guy called Matt who's got some questions for him. 
Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. I think I know one of his questions is going to be, and I think Tom De La Haye, uh, is also um, asking that question as well. So maybe we'll be able to um, answer it shortly. Um, but let's start. Jared Ainsworth, quickly while I wait for Matt, says he's mentioned in a previous podcast I have about Charlie Host charging for free wine. So what is Jim and yeah. Ian's most outrageous season air story? We've got one in. You didn't seem to have one last time. You thought about it when we last spoke. I mean, there's so many outrageous uh, uh, season air stories. And as I said, a lot of them I didn't find out about till afterwards. I know one about one of Dave Moore's friends, but I probably won't uh, repeat that because... Uh, there were a few laws broken in that one. I mean, I could tell you one about myself, which um, was pretty bad, really. <laughs> I was working for Bladen Lines in my first ski season in 1988 and uh, drove the minibus back outside our uh, chalet hotel. And, you know, I had it in my mind that you shouldn't put the handbrake on, you know, in case it froze. So I parked the minibus and, and left it with the handbrake off, went into the office. But what I didn't realise at the time was there was a very, very slight slope on uh, outside uh, the hotel. And I don't know how imperceptible it was, but it certainly didn't happen straight away while I was in the building. The minibus just started to edge forward and it edged forward off the edge of the parking area, went into a field. It was travelling kind of sideways, but the wheel lock went on. It went round sideways, went all the way down this field a front flip over the road below and landed in the garden of a hotel about 100 meters further down and i was incredibly lucky they didn't hit any buildings or any uh, people and so basically i wrote off the minibus for blade lines in my first ski season that is um outrageous i did lose i i right i ironically lost the wing mirror of a, a company minibus while trying to put my hands free kit in um let's put the truck to the station um other than that, I have no outrageous stories about that. There was one guy who told me he used to put a birthday card up in his chalet. Same birthday cards every week. You put them out like on Tuesday. People are like, oh, it's your birthday. And they give him an extra day off every week. I'm not sure how true that is, but it's a good story. Right. Um, should we bring in Matt? Or do you want to say something else, Ian? Well, I was going to say another one about um, a rep in Maribel, because obviously back in the day, people used to pay uh, by cash for lift passes. Uh, you know, credit cards weren't around the place. So you'd, you'd end up gathering a lot of cash over Saturday on transfer day. People were paying for lift passes, ski hire, ski school, uh, etc. And, you know, it was a real skill in repping people in the bus and getting all that money together before you got to resort. Uh, but you'd have to wait until Monday, in most cases, before you could pay it into the bank. So a very large amount of cash that you would have on you as a rep or a resort manager. And there was this unnamed uh, rep in Maribel. You meant to have this money on you the whole time, never let it out of your sight. Well, he got burgled and uh, the entire cash for that particular tour operator for that weekend in Maribel which numbered uh, into the five-figure five sum, disappeared completely. Now, his flat was broken into. Shortly afterwards, suffering from stress, that particular resort manager uh, decided he couldn't go on for the season anymore and, uh, and disappeared. Now, they never recovered the money, and it was strongly suspected that he uh, you know, faked that whole break-in and did the whole job himself. No 
proof of that, but lots of circumstantial evidence. So he robbed himself to get away with it and left for the end of the season with a massive bonus. Interesting story. I'm sure it's definitely not true. Right. Um, we've got someone we're going to bring into the show. His name is Matt. He's um, a long term listener of the show. And I know that for a fact. He hey. All the time. Hi, Matt. Hi. Good morning. Hi, Jim. Welcome. Welcome Hi, to Matt. the podcast. Um, so Matt sent a, 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 a question in. Um, so um, I've invited him on to ask it. And if you at home would like to do the same, um, drop us an email to my ghostly face. Um, and we will uh, get you on the show to ask your question. Rick, uh, Matt, what do you want to know? What do you want to tell us? How are you? When was yeah. the last time you skied? That's the most important question. Uh, um, February, chill factor, January in, in Switzerland. So Whereabouts in I Switzerland? Was, yeah, I was due to go the day that everything got shut down. Uh, not a oh, no. chill factor. So, yeah, my, uh, my days are, uh, are which, probably over which, for the season. Which Swiss resort did you go to, Matt? Uh, Crans Montana. Yeah, cool. Yeah, lovely place. That was on my end of the season list to, to go and use mm. with my magic pass, but that won't be happening, which is a shame. Yeah. I might yeah. go hiking there in the summer in dream. You'll get there next season. That's right, because I'm pretty sure Switzerland, and, uh, I can't say Switzerland tourism. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Switzerland tourism are going to sponsor us next year, and we will uh, end up um, uh, with a free magic pass again. Um, right, Matt, what, what's your question? Yeah, my question, you, you kind of teased us a little bit in the last podcast and you left us with uh, on a bit of a, a cliff edge with the crystal ski losing half a million pounds. Um, uh, I was yes. kind of wanting to know a little bit more about that because I'm pretty yeah. sure, I've been listening to all the podcasts, you've definitely not told that story. Interesting. So um, I was in the middle of my third season, I think it was, working for um crystal in a resort that we mentioned quite frequently it's part of another three valley area um and i was a chef in the hotel and my dad was getting married for the second time and he invited me to go to it i said to the manager please and i go to my dad's wedding I'd love to go. so i flew home back to the uk and um when i left i said to my friend paul spanky you might even be watching um and he definitely listens um, I said, do you want to borrow my lift pass while I'm gone? You can do a few shifts in the kitchen to cover me. Um, and you can just use my lift pass. Because it was back in the days when it was photos. Um, and you just wore it um, on your thing. And hardly anyone texted me. So I went back. And uh, when I arrived back in the UK, I was driving I was driving Spanky's car. I got to the payage and the clutch went on it. This was the start of the disaster, right? The clutch went on the car push it across 12 lanes of payage, which is a nightmare. Phoned up Spanky and I said, Spanky, I've got some really bad He said, don't worry, I've got some worse news. I've just lost your lift pass. <laughs> um, basically, he'd got inspected um, in one of the lift pass queues. Um, and obviously, goggles, hat on, he'd gone, yeah, it's me. He's blonde, let's clear that up. Um, and they'd gone, no, it's not, take your goggles off, take your... all this sort of stuff. And then went, basically, this is not your lift pass and took it off him. He got fined one day's worth of skiing and they took the lift pass off him. When I arrived back to resorts, Spanky told me, I just, you know, casually went, walked down to the lift pass office and said, can I have my lift pass back, please? Um, and they said, um, actually, we'd really like you to come and the managing director of the lift pass. So I said, all right, then I'll do that. I went into managing directors, uh, sat down. He went, oh, would you like me to speak in English? <laughs> yes, please. Um, so he sat there and said, basically, you have committed fraud against my company on behalf of your company. 
I went, oh, seems quite serious. Um, he said, and what I'm going to do is I am going to find this very large, biggest UK tour operator, all the commission they earn over the entire season um, across all their brands within uh, the ski resort, which, you know, equated to quarter, half a million pounds or something like that. Um, I mean, surprisingly, I, I lost my job, um, uh, um, which was quite embarrassing. That's, that's basically the story. That's how it happened. Good. It puts my minibus into perspective. Yeah, it does. I mean, it was quite a serious thing. Like a lot of people were doing it at the time, and I think they were they were genuinely concerned that um, more and more seasoners were lending out lift buses. It was a big problem at the time. So I think um, I was made uh, a very stern example. I mean, I got a job three days later down the road. Does that answer your question, yeah. Matt? It does. <laughs> it does. Good. Got any more questions? Got one for Ian. Ian deserves it. Yeah, I did have one for Ian, and it's probably one for you as well, Jim. It was something that I was asked uh, the other day, and it was, what's the first thing you will do when lockdown is lifted? And I'll be honest, I struggled with it for a little bit because I thought, what is the first thing I would do? Obviously, then maybe have a haircut or something, but um, yeah, I'm just interested to know what, what the first thing you would both do is. Have you thought about this, Ian? I haven't thought about that because it sort of, it depends a little bit on um, what the parameters are of when, if and when uh, lockdown is uh, lifted, because I think it won't be that we'll be able to go straight back to normal uh, again. Um, probably it'd be nice if we could, you know, we live in Brighton. It's beautiful weather right now. I'd love to go paddleboarding with the family. Uh, and we've discussed it, but, you know, we've kind of decided even though it would be exercise, you can only have one of you exercising at a time and it doesn't seem right somehow. So I'd love to go paddleboarding. Good answer. I'm thinking I'm probably going to um, walk around the village flyering with my new um, gardener's maintenance, <laughs> maintenance um, <laughs> business that I'm about to start. That's the first thing I'm genuinely going to do. But yeah, I think it generally depends. I'd like to, like, I'd like to go stand up paddleboarding too. I think um, heading down to Annecy for a swim will be mm. uh, big on the agenda. Um, um, as soon as the flights start, I'm just by booking a one-way trip on my own to somewhere. I don't care where it is, just to have a few days of peace away from my children. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Does that give you any ideas, Matt? Yeah, mine was uh, mine was a family barbecue, I think, or the beach. One of those. Nothing, nothing too extravagant. But do you live near a beach? Away from the house. Yeah, there's a beach about four or five miles away. But I've been getting out um, daily walks and runs, but kind of doing two to three mile radius of the house. So I'm kind of um, I'm kind of stuck. I'm lucky because I've got a park and I've got some woods quite close by. So it's good for that. But I'm missing the uh, missing the water. That's it. Have you got any sand dunes on your beach? You could go soundboarding. Yeah, there, there, are, there are a few. Yeah, on a different on a different beach. Yeah, yeah, we're okay where we are. A bit of sand skiing. Well, that's great. Thanks um, very much, Matt. And thanks for listening. Um, I really thanks appreciate you coming on. on the show. That's all right. Um, uh, we went to Alan. I did invite a guy called Alan on. He hasn't uh, turned up yet, um, but he's got some questions for us. Um, do you want to stay around for this chat, Matt? You might have an opinion on this. Um, what, was yes, your best, what was the best day of your season uh, in 19, uh, the 1920 winter season? What was it? This is one of Alan's questions. Um best day of mine probably looking back you know you kind of 
you have these days and then you think now you're on lockdown, you, you probably look back and you appreciate those days a little bit more. Uh, so pr just probably the times we had decent weather. Um, we were really lucky because every day was a bluebird day. Snow was in fantastic condition. Lots and lots of powder um, around kind of slopes were fairly quiet, even though it was over over the new year period. Um, but, you know, just making the time to stop, have coffee, stay out all day, enjoy the sunshine. And it was unseasonably warm as well. So, um, you know, it was kind of uh, double figures by the kind of mid-afternoon. So just enjoying those days, really. Um, so, yeah, they were, they were, they were my best days. Lot, lots of time on the slopes, but lots of stops to, uh, to appreciate the views. Well, that's brilliant. Thanks, Matt. We're going to say goodbye. Um, Ian, tell us your story. Cheers, Thank Matt. You. We'll talk to you again soon bye -bye. and um, keep reviewing us. I know you've reviewed us about nine times. So thanks. <laughs> thanks, Matt. Bye-bye. See ya. Uh, best of this season that's just gone, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best day of this season. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... I probably, my first day skiing was the best day skiing I had. I was in Val d'Isere. I was doing a little bit of work for uh, Le Ski. And uh, some of the members uh, went, joined up with a couple of members of staff and they took me down to Fournay and they'd had a, quite a bit of snow just before and we skied down between the trees uh, in Fournay and, and that was great. Um, I, did, I did enjoy uh, the ski touring in uh, Andermatt as well. Just when it was a day after Switzerland had closed all our resorts uh, and it was... It felt kind of liberating to still be able to to go skiing. Isn't that um, you know, isn't that just because like, you're contractually obliged to say that you enjoyed that? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I found it hard to work out which one my was. I've had. Do you know what I've had up until um, the list closed at the end of March, in the middle of March? I suddenly went into massive depression. Um, I was having a blinder of a season. I could ski the Valley Blanche for the first time and I was planning on doing it for a second time. That was a great opener for me, the season. I love the fact that the, the resort here opened early, which, you know, was a great excitement. I had an extra, so theoretically, I had a month's extra almost of skiing than I wouldn't have had. So maybe it's only fair that I lost out uh, at the end. Who knows? Um, it's hard, it's really hard. I had a really nice day. Um, with Dave Burrows in Alzo, and we recorded that um, avalanche special. That was a cracking day as well. Um, I had loads of nice fresh powder days here in um, the Clues or in the trees before um, anywhere else. I mean, it's funny, it is interesting how fast places get tracked out now. And the best way often is to get out when it's snowing and go in the trees when no one else is there. Did you think, Ian, when you were doing your seasons uh, a couple of years ago, um, that, uh, that places got tracked out less less fast in my best English. Well, I spent more time when I was doing my seasons. I was in resort for longer, so I can't really compare it. And also, you've got to—I mean, in recent years, I haven't been in resort when fresh snow has come down to be able to compare it. So, all I can say is anecdotally, it's probably the case because these days, you know, more people have uh, access to the type of equipment that can like level up skiers like a less good skier who sticks fat skis on can ski powder um, more easily than they used to be able to and maybe people are a bit overconfident in kind of going for the backcountry as well because i kind of think there is a bit of the all gear no idea kind of element to it as well 
You've got to start somewhere though, Ian. I've been that. I still am. I've got loads of, I haven't got all the gear. I've got some gear held together with gaffer tape. But that's, you know, that's how you should be. Um, hey, look, we're going to be joined by Alan and Dylan. We just answered his question, but I'm sure he'll have another one. Look, there's a whole family of them. Let's bring them on. Hey, Alan. Hi, Dylan. How are you? Are you enjoying confinement? Good morning. Yeah, we're going good. You going good? We just did an Easter egg hunt. Nice. Very cool. And um, when was the last time you went skiing? Well, that would have been half term, wouldn't it, Dylan? Half term. Winter. It was definitely winter. <laughs> and um, where would, where did you go? Zerma. Zerma. Very cool. Can I can I chip in, Jim? I I uh, know Alan. It's nice to meet you because yeah. Through the sky, ski flight free side of things, Alan got in contact with me because if I remember correctly, you went up by train to Zermatt, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, excellent. I thought it was you. Yeah, brilliant. What an adventure. Yeah, good to meet you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 12 hours, 13 hours, door to door. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a great way to travel, right? It beats, uh, beats hanging around in an airport. Sure, and the kids uh, enjoyed uh, enjoyed that as well, right? Dylan, you did like you enjoy traveling by train? You liked it? I think that's a yes. <laughs> yeah, what's the best thing about being on the train for that long? Is it knowing that you're going to be skiing at some point? The views are pretty good as well, aren't they? The views are very good. What do you think the best thing is, Dylan? Playing on my fire tablet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my children say as well. <laughs> Um, so, Alan, we just talked about um, our favourite part of the season. We answered that yeah. question. Um, what was, um, what's your favourite uh, day of the season? Have you got one? Well, I think, I think we did six days in, in Zermatt on the slope. So uh, I think each of those is to be savoured, especially given where we are now. Uh, yeah. I, I think we had a couple of blue sky days, which mostly were beautiful, blue. mostly blue. Oh, hello, one Alan's wife. Uh, <laughs> nice forehead. And I think up at the top of Rothorn, which uh, is one of the areas there, there was some uh, beautiful quality snow up at about two and a half, three thousand, uh, uh, and that was a that was a great day. Amazing. Yeah, it's a bit off piece, but uh, maybe uh, maybe that's the ambition for next time. Ah, um, these people with all the gear, no idea, Ian. Is that who we're talking to? You were just, uh, you were just dissing these people right a minute ago. Um, Alan, you had another question for us. What was it? I think it's an oh, interesting yeah. one. So, so we're sat here, obviously not able to get to the slopes now, but it's been pretty, pretty warm, arguably hot. Uh, so, so wondering whether or not we'd actually have any skiing to do. Would there be any snow in the in the main resorts? Or are we going to have more resorts, you know, have shut down given given the given the weather? I think it's a yeah. really interesting question. I did say to Ian the other day that I think one of the the, the brightest side about um, the current situation that I'm in has been global warming because it's really hot and really sunny here. Um, so I've been enjoying that, but I have been watching the lower down um, snow um, slowly recede away, and you know I think it would have been potentially quite challenging. Um, many of the resorts open and there's not a lot of snow on the horizon none in fact yeah i just uh, shared yeah i just shared a post on ski flight free uh, this morning where i just had, I had a look at a few of the webcams 
in different resorts. And, uh, you know, 1800, it doesn't look so bad, but if you drop down a little lower to the sort of 1400 down to a thousand meters or something like that, then, you know, the coverage is pretty poor. Uh, and this is just on the webcam. No one has skied on these slopes for uh, four weeks uh, in most cases now. So, yeah, Easter skiing would have been, you know, in another, as I said, in another world, the headlines in skiing right now would be all about global warming. Yeah. They aren't, they aren't managing the slopes right now. So you've got to re realise that, you know, they, they, there's been no snow cannons on and they haven't been compacting it for that those last month. So there is... Um, that in respect it wouldn't be happened but i think some of the lower down like grand bonon just here they would have been able to keep that um last run open we would have been queuing to get the telecamera back down um should we find out um what the snow is like right now in in switzerland because we can bring in dave burrows as well this is exciting isn't it hey dave hello how are you yeah very good alan got an interesting hey, question right. there he, he was wondering um what it's like um if we think the resorts would have stayed open what's the snow like in morjan you probably haven't seen actually quite your house is quite close to it, isn't it? no well it's a really good point actually um yeah i mean i'm inclined to agree with what you were just saying jim you're right i was just saying to my wife this morning i'm always right it hasn't snowed for a long time um it has been in the two weeks following the uh in in the two weeks following you know the resorts closing there would have been sufficient coldness it was, it was minus temperatures at night so they would have been able to make snow but yeah you're right we would have had that kind of end of march vibe going on where it's kind of get the skiing done early in the morning and then in the afternoon it would turn horrible and slushy and as it stands right now um yeah it would be that horrible kind of slushy slush that, that that you know most people don't like skiing um and that was all, that's always my sort of april experience of skiing around here you get up early get on the lift by 8 30 get your skiing done by 11 30 and go home the, the skiing after that point is is generally no good and, and that's probably how it would have been this year but it's it's been i heard some pred predictions at the start of this year and those predictions were that it would be a cold dry winter and that is exactly what has has manifested itself um it's what the farmers were saying and that's uh that's that's what's turned out a light snow year there we go glad the farmers were right does that answer your question do you think alan i think we're good yeah i mean i had a look at the cams as well and it looks like you know 1800 and above you know probably all right uh but like you say you know, they're not looking after the piece are they so uh they're not spreading around what they've got it's all shut down so uh Hopefully, Easter skiing is not a thing of the past yet. Where would I think you... it would have been a challenging year, but let's be good, good and proud for next year. It's going to be a great season. That's what we need to be focusing on now. Yeah, I had a look at Surf House. I had a look at Zermatt on the cams. Surf House, I was thinking, would look a bit kind of bare, but even the kids' park at Surf House looked okay on the cams. So they looked like there was enough snow there. That's about just about 2,000, I think. So if you got down into the village, it, there you'd be you know it'd be 15 degrees today so you know definitely nothing down the bottom at you know that kind of resort no. all right then alan well thanks for dropping in um we're going to talk to dave and uh really nice to, to meet you alan see ya Cheers. yeah Cheers, guys. hi dave burrows how are you from snow pro ski school i'm doing all right yeah i'm doing all right i'm uh i'm i'm fighting grooming with swiss bureaucracy mm -hmm. 
um, the, the, the Swiss government, luckily, uh, pays out 80% of all of my ski instructors' salaries. So all those guys who had to go home in middle of um, middle of March, poor guys, because um, we still had lot, lots of work to do. I've had to create a big spreadsheet of all the work that we were going to do, calculate it, and then um, apply for that money, and then get that paid out to my guys. So, uh, so yeah, you know, we've um, I've been basically sitting behind my laptop trying to trying to fill in forms and stuff like that. How are you guys? Is that your question? No, you could have anything you could have asked us, and you just asked us if we're all right. <laughs> well, one here's, here's question one. Okay, because I okay. think. Uh, I think the guys would really, really like to, you know, the listeners would like to know this. You you, you don't really talk about it very much on the podcast, but what do you guys actually do for a living? You kind of allude to it from time to time, but I'm sure everyone would actually like to know what, what it is that you do sort of professionally. Ian, do you want to start with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I can start. I, I'm a work in digital marketing. All my clients are ski companies, and uh, I either run social media for them whether it's facebook or twitter or or youtube uh i write uh, create a lot of content sometimes you know more prosaically it's like blog posts uh but uh, sometimes it's video content or uh, more ambitious uh, pieces of content uh, and i run a lot of google ads um you know for a lot of quite a lot of different ski companies i run their campaigns and some bing ads as well so that's that's what I do. And as a consequence of that, I end up writing a few articles for different ski magazines as well, which very, very rarely, very rarely get paid for, but occasionally get paid for them. <laughs> that is exciting. Um, essentially, I do the same thing. I'm uh, Ian's rival, um, but I'm I'm prepared to work for any old shit. Um, just I, you know, I'll write about anything. So if you if you're not a ski company, I'm more than happy to pick it up. You know uh what would, what would i do you know um i just bid on a job to write for a, a billionaire i mean the life would have been sucked out of me the guy this is interesting actually um i've not got the job um the guy wanted um someone to write his instagram post for him and um, write things like be brave be careful make sure you commit you could be a billionaire like me um so you know i, I think I, it I would have worked I, any of that. I can't believe he didn't choose you can, can I ask a question? Didn't hear my billionaire voice. Can I ask a question to the two of you? I recently listened to our, the one-off special that uh, Jim put together, the Avalanche uh, special podcast. Which uh, listener, if you're out there, you should uh, you should have a listen to it. Um, very informative. Really enjoyed it. Dave, how did he find you know spending like a whole day like that trying to get Jim to dig in the snow? Did he dig deep enough? Is what I really want to know. The he well it's it's quite physically demanding you know digging one of those holes because we you know i thought that we would hit the bottom it was quite early season i thought we'd hit the bottom after about two meters and i'm sure you must have done this yourself ian probably before um but kept on going we'd obviously picked the slope that all the snow that hit <laughs> and uh, and at some point we had to give up but like i think we were getting quite near to the bottom but still it was it was a big old hole right. I, I, I visualise Jim being there digging away and you're just kind of like sitting there kind of watching him go, come on, Jim, keep going. It's That's exactly what it was like, Ian. He, um, he cracked out a stool. He took a stool with him. More like a dead chair, unfolded it. It was like the foreman. He got his coffee and sun out and said, um, get going. 
It was exactly the opposite of what you described. Except for that one picture that we took of him digging it. I dug the hole and uh, Jim just sat there. Eventually, he sort of just. I didn't want to get my knees stayed there. There wasn't enough room for two people in the hole at the start. Right. Um, can, I, can, I ask a, can I ask another question, Dave? Have you got a magic pass as well? Because yeah. you went to a few of these resorts, but you've got a magic pass. Have you used it much uh, this this winter? Or yeah, are you normally yeah, I, working? I use it all the time. So our ski school is based in between uh, a number of resorts. So I have put in my pocket, I have Port de Slay pass. I have um, a magic pass and I have a Verbier Four Valleys pass. And so I right. switch between depending on who I'm teaching and where I'm teaching. But I'm often in Villa or other magic past resorts so we have a lot of um we have a lot of clients uh we have a we have a couple of ski teams that we look after and we go to international school ski races and they're all in canton Vaux, and generally they're all in uh, magic past resorts um and then like i say and then i just swap out for when i'm teaching in the in the port de soleil so i use my magic pass a lot right um, so you're getting and, uh, really good value from it yeah i'd say so i need to ski so you can get as a ski instructor, let's say you go for a day in Villa, you can get um, a day's pass if you're teaching a client for about, don't tell anyone this, or about 17 francs or something. Um, the usual day if price. If you're an instructor. Yeah, if you're an instructor and you've got a lesson and you can prove it. Um, right. So I need to get, what's that? What's the cost of magic pass? 399. So I need to teach probably at least one. Yeah, I've just bought mine actually. I've just renewed mine now. Um, but I've got mine. I need to I need to ski about twelve weeks over no twelve weekends over there, you know twenty four separate occasions in order to in order to make it worthwhile. But it's just so easy, right? You know, you sit yeah. in your pocket and you just go, and you don't have to worry about queuing up and going and getting a lift pass and stuff like that. So for and me, somewhere somewhere like uh, Anzair, where you um, recorded all of the uh, the Avalanche uh, special, had you ever been there before? No, it's my first time there, and I loved it. I really love. It. I love. I, you, I think I've said to you before. I love these little ski resorts. You know, I love places. One of my favourite things. Every Wednesday, we go to a place called La Dole, which is a tiny place just outside of Geneva, um, and it's it's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. I love these. I love these little ski resorts. I really. I dislike a lot mega big ski resorts. Places like Verbier and Four Valleys. I can't stand it. Um, I'm much more into uh, much more into the smaller kind of sort of community kind of places you know there we go wow mm. can i have my second question to you guys no no it's yeah. just turning to ask dave now <laughs> if you've got a question for dave burrows about your ski technique then do uh, send it in now. Um, uh, okay. yeah, um, question, two. On, question two behind the scenes for the pod how ideas for the podcast or have you reached such a critical mass that ideas now come to you I just wait for Ian to tell me what I'm going to do. <laughs> I have no individual thought. Ian just tells me what I've got to do. And uh, I just say stuff, words come out. People listen. That's how it works. Yeah, I think Jim's being slightly modest there. Uh, like, this is his idea, uh, for example, the whole of the, the live q and oh, yeah. we... He always blames okay. me for the rubbish ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I think we look at you know where where we've got uh, skiing coming up. Obviously, you know Switzerland tourism been great at supporting us this winter and giving uh, Jim a magic pass. You know, enabled him to go to all, the, all these different resorts, and we you know picked up content from that. And my trips uh, uh, to uh, Andermatt and Arosa as well, but also I've been on a number of press trips, and that gives me content to uh, to kind of work with. And then we kind of see different 
people doing things and think, well, let's contact them, see about an interview. I, I guess some people must have uh, approached us to, uh, uh, but the Timberline one, where did Dave that one Morrow's come begs from? to be on the podcast all the time, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, great. Jim, where did the Timberline idea come from? The guy? Um, uh, I think he might have uh, emailed me. Right. Uh, Jim Duncan, no, Jim at the yeah. podcast.com. We've also got, um, um, you know, Mike, um, who's told us about, you know, skiing in all different places around the world. Mm. I think I came across him on Snowheads, and, uh, you know, we have quite a few people following us on Snowheads. Um, so, you know, I kind of engage with a few people on, on there. Do you, um, can I ask you about your um, your trip to Andermatt? Because I went to Andermatt to yeah. do my, um, my Swiss snow sports. Um, uh, would you call it the final off-piste uh, tour you have to do there? I had to take the head of Swiss Snow Sports back education out on a on a tour, which is quite intimidating, um, especially because I don't tour very well. Um, uh, I'm quite anti-touring, in fact. But the we went, we got off at the top of that. What's I think wrong with it, Pass. You know, you get the train up where the Matterhorn Express stops, and you can go to the top, and there's that lighthouse place. Did you get off at the lighthouse at the train? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think it's called Ober, Ober, Ober Pass. Yeah. yeah. Ober so Alp Pass. There, you know the reason why the lighthouse is up there? No, that's, um, be interested to know that. Gotcha. Right. So the reason is because if you go round the back and you sort of tour up, there's a lake up there that is the exact point where uh, water then at that lake, it runs to the North Sea rather than oh, yeah. south towards the mediterranean and that's the significance yeah. of the lighthouse so that's called i can't i think it's lac uh, or lighter lighter something like that i'll find it out and i'll send it to you but that 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 particular lake flows north rather than south and um and that's the reason that, that light lighthouse is there on the overall pass is to kind of um signify that it goes to the north sea rather than uh, rather than the mediterranean so there's some useless okay. I know when you drive down to the Alps on the on there going through France, there's a there's one of those info boards that you go past where it tells you exactly the same thing. You know, this this water drains into you know from here uh, everything's draining into the Mediterranean, and from here everything's draining into yeah. the Channel. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a wild place, isn't it, Andaman? It's a really wild, wild region. You know, it's not many. It's a bit, oh a bit yeah, I mean, I, the only thing I was a bit disappointed about is I didn't get to ski. I can't remember the name of the, the other area, the main area over there. I mean, I didn't go on the lift system at all, apart from taking the train. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll uh, go back there for sure. You know, mm. if you listen to the last episode of the podcast, mm. I'm trying to remember where we are. I think it was 52 where we talked about, uh, where uh, Lars from uh, the Radisson Blue talked about it. A really interesting history. And, you know, that resort is going to change a lot more in the next 10 years to come as well. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't that long ago. It was just a military garrison and there was nothing there, nothing there, just a bunch of soldiers. Interesting stuff. Well, Dave, I'm going to let you go because I don't want you to upstage us anymore with your facts <laughs> and uh, well-researched um, information. Um, before you go, I just want to ask you a question. Like, uh, We've all got kids. Um, uh, Alan just proved they're a right handful. You're a skeezer. Have you got any handy tips on how to control these children? You must have been experienced in this. Uh, yeah, I, I'm finding with my daughter, I'm finding the best way is just to wear them out. 
so we go every morning now for like a walk and it's a one or a two hour walk and she comes back and she's exhausted so she sleeps in the afternoon and then you know she doesn't got much more energy in the afternoon and after that sleep and then she goes to bed quite early so that's kind of how i'm i'm doing it i'm in charge of the physical activities and uh and my wife is doing educational type activities so uh so yeah it's um walking is the key is, is what i found and this is why parents love sending children to your ski school because you wear them out and then yeah, they get to bed early that, and they yeah. can sneak out um for a little bit of that prey yeah yeah it's part of the service you know part of the service well thanks dave thanks for joining right. us david david Great thing you guys are doing anyone ever called you Cool. Take care, Dave. See you soon. Yeah. We've still got loads of questions, Ian. Um, if you've still got yeah. a question, we're going we're to stay here for another um, 15 minutes if we've got enough chat. Or if anyone wants to join us, um, they can just drop us a, a quick message. I have invited some people. Dave's struggling to leave the group. He just wants to come back on. Um, I just try to get Dave Froome on, but he says he's too sweaty. I guess he's just going for a run. Um, so, Ian, if we look in, in the questions, if I scroll yeah. down... Um, Janet Varnett, I did invite her on. She um, hasn't got back to me, but here's a question from her. It says, hello from Maribel. Hi. Um, hi. Uh, what are your scariest whiteout stories? Ian? Uh, I mean, you know, it's a nightmare being in a whiteout, isn't it? But as I mentioned in the comments to her, you know, what I'd give to be stuck in a whiteout in a ski resort uh, right now, I'd, I'd, I'd take that as an option. I mean, we did go to La Rosière with the kids on their first proper uh, ski holiday. So it was their first week of skiing and uh, towards the end of the week, possibly over optimistically, took them a little high up the mountain. It turned out to be a, a whiteout. I was on a snowboard to try and you know, even things up a, a little bit. And uh, I just, you know, I was confident we'd get to the bottom, but it would have been a lot easier without escorting two five-year-olds who'd only been on skis for three days prior to that. Um, I was fine. My wife was a little edgy. <laughs> um, I wanted to say something, but I'm going to retract um, that. I'm going to self-edit there. Um, I was uh, had a few whiteouts. Uh, Everyone's been in a whiteout. I've never been lost in a whiteout, and I can imagine that's the scariest part. Um, if you suddenly find yourself super lost um uh, last just before the end of the season last year i was over in a uh, on a, a farm trip with a client and um i was with a group of teachers who you know fairly good skiers in the light as soon as the flat light went um it, they became very worried and very scared and you know had to um you know, uh, encourage people down the mountain. And I do remember um, skiing, snowboarding in Lazark on a half-term holiday with um, uh, your friend of mine, Emma Morris. And um, she disappeared off the side of a piste um, and ended up in a hole. And we were stood there waiting for about five minutes on the side of the piste. And then slowly I could just suddenly hear, Jim, Jim, Jim. <laughs> so um, I slowly using what was essentially her own um, sort of avalanche beacon of squeaks, I found her and had to help her get out of a hole <laughs> she found herself in. So um, for her, I'd say that was scary. Um, but we just uh, basically, I think that what we're trying to say is that we're fair weather skiers, um, Janet, and uh, we we very rarely venture out in uh, in in a whiteout. But thank you for your question. Well, I don't know. I would I would not. I would always go out in bad weather. I don't mind bad weather so much. Because um, also there's fewer people around, but 
visibility is quite important to skiing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I like um, Lazark or even uh, Courchevel Pra um, and that sort of area where there's lots of trees on the runs down. They're the, the perfect places to pick um, to go. So we were talking um, like that San Luc place I went to in Switzerland. I would yeah. not want to ski there in a white hat. I would, wouldn't. There's no definition anywhere um, in the majority of the ski area. So that would be miserable. But um, maybe somewhere in Lazark where you get out to Paisley and stuff, that'd be good. There we go, uh, Janet. I hope that answers your questions. There's one from uh, Dave Moore. It seems to be your friends, uh, Ian, on Facebook. Um, so uh, he's got a question. Um, any thoughts on doing the Alps in the summer? I've always wanted to see them. Any tips? I've got loads. Got, Ian, do you want to start? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I can't believe he's never been to the Alps in the uh, in the summer. I mean, they're amazing. I love the Alps in the summer. I've spent so much time there, and in some respects. I almost like them more, you know. I love I love um, trail running and hiking and cycling. Uh, so, any tips? I'd say probably like avoid Chamonix unless you're going in May or September, because that is one of the few resorts where it's actually busier in in summer than it is in winter. Um, you know, go to. Uh, to any ski resort they think it's busy in august but you know go there maybe in july you know really good weather the snow's melted it's out the way and uh and go hiking i mean teen is brilliant in the summer we've been there as a family i don't know several times uh and they have a pass lots of resorts have this now but if you stay there for a few nights um they give you a pass and it includes loads of free activities and it's brilliant if you've got uh kids uh, ranging from you know mini golf to they have slack lines you know set up around the place uh, which you'd enjoy trampolining tennis but all the water sports based around the lake so you know it could just be taking a kayak out or it could be paddle boarding or they have um that thing called the uh, the blob have you ever you know you've seen one of those before where there's a massive inflatable pillow when one person gets on it and another person jumps on it and it flies you into the air and you land into the lake you know what i'm talking uh, about i know exactly what you're talking about i haven't been on it though um i'd like to um i second in like i went to teen two summers ago i think we covered it in the podcast did a bit of skiing but the activities are great it comes free with a pass that's um part of your accommodation so it's excellent um and, and look, well lots worth. of resorts offer offer free lifts uh, now i mean thinking uh, in courchevel the lift for free in summer certainly in team they were there trying to think where else we've been where the lists have been free i mean it was another reason we graduated away from chamonix where we had spent several summers uh, because you know the lifts are pretty damn expensive you know you don't need to take uh, many um so if you've got younger kids what we did is we took the lift up and walked down um, but if you've got mountain bikes if you're into that then um you know there's a, there's a lot you can do i've often found that um, the lifts are actually free down so if you walk up, um, they won't charge you to go back down on them. Okay. Have you, ever been, have you ever been whitewater rafting in the Alps? Uh, yes, I have over in the Dolomites. Um, I think there was quite a distinct lack of rainfall and snow melt when we went and we kept grounding out or we might have been at the end of the winter. But yeah, that's, right. um, that is great fun. I'm actually we... talking to um, a mountain guy of my friend um, uh, called Seven. We're looking at maybe doing some summer rock climbing packages and we were thinking we might do canyoning so that's another yeah, great yeah. activity you can do 
uh, if yeah. you like jumping down a valley into rocks and puddles. And yeah, Tanyuning's like great. We went um, uh, rafting out of uh, Borg Saint Maurice a couple of years ago. It's actually slightly down from Borg Saint Maurice, but you go along the uh, the valley uh, towards M, I think, is where we came out of the water, uh, and that was brilliant fun. You know, great fun. I'm not sure it was the the most technical or the the most white water of uh, anywhere. But if you're going along with a couple of younger or even older uh, kids, you know, it was great. And there was a one section where they pulled everyone over to the side. And you could walk up to a cliff and jump off a cliff into the water uh, about five meters high, you know, enough to get your, your heart beating. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, Dave, you should come in the summer. It's amazing. Um, uh, I mean, come and stay with me if you like, the clues are a nice place. Um, and Bia Ferrata, that's my favourite thing at the moment. Bia Ferrata. Right, so right. let's move on. Um, let's get what we've got. And there's another question here. Uh, I'll let Matt's ask us another question then. Matt Hayes, he says, do you have a go-to food dish, favourite wine when you're away? Uh, is anything you can cook at home to create this? Um, I think that, you know, the, there's the trilogy of mountain food, pizza, burger, um, cheese-based melted dish. That's, uh, those are your options. So pretty easy to re recreate. Fondue is quite easy to, to make. Um, I mean, I mean, I used to do it. Yeah. Um, Matt, you're on Are you asking me what my favourite uh, dish is? Uh, yeah, that's how a Q&A works, yeah. Right, I I didn't I lost I lost you for a minute there. Yeah, I'm not so into the cheese uh, dishes, uh, etc. Uh, but I do like a rosti. If you're in Switzerland, did you try any rosti anywhere? Oh yeah, I do like a good rosti, and they're really hard to make. Um, they always turn out grey and sludgy when I make them. I don't know why. <laughs> Um, I, th right. I think it's because um, I read a, um, one recipe said you've got to squeeze all the liquid out. Of the That's right. What about when you were in uh, Bulgaria? Were there any, did you try any of the local specialities uh, there at all? Um, I had a very nice, um, uh, what's the dish with aubergines and herbs? Masaka. But I, right. I didn't really. Okay. Uh, I mean, I ate from the buffet. There was nothing that stood out. It was just lots of pickles and stuff like that. I really did enjoy that uh, in terms of wine i'll be a good coat of for Switzerland, can you um tim boyce has got a question let's um ask oh, yeah. what he's got he says he saw a youtube video recently that suggests because of demographics and various other reasons participation in skiing and snowing has been in decline since the turn of the millennium do we agree Do we agree that skiing has been in decline? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, fewer people are doing it in, from the UK, if that's what you're talking about. And I think they have the same problem in Austria and uh, Switzerland uh, as well. So there's no doubt about that, that um, you know, younger people have more options um to do with their time and it's it's a challenge in every country not just uh in this country so sadly um i have to uh, agree with you and there are obviously other challenges i mean we've since uh covid19 cropped up we thought brexit was going to be a problem for the ski industry uh, but brexit is still kind of there floating around on the horizon and that will probably uh, 
change things a little bit as well in terms of cost. So, yeah. Um, I'd like to see the video, um, Tim. Yeah. Could you send it to us, please? And, uh, we'll no, I, I've seen that video. I know what he's uh, uh, what he's talking about. Um, and very good data visualization uh, in it, for sure. I mean, you know, it's just China where uh, they have increased participation going on uh, at the moment. I think it's one of the you know few or only countries in the world where that is happening. Well, that's it. There's such a choice of sports now that there's probably you know every year they say there's a different. Um, growing sport like three years ago it was ultimate frisbee was the biggest growing sport in the uk um so maybe we're losing out to them um uh, martina's got a question ian uh, martina was oh, yeah. the other week um she is from the ski guru and she says um, what is our favorite resort in france she Italy. um she'd like to know more of france um she's just been to a couple of resorts and only to be a maudine that was fun well there's another question there from alan who was on the show um so we could just uh we could talk about morzine as well um my favorite resort in france i mean i like the clues where i am it's fantastic but those mega resorts the mega resorts of lazark that i always go on about i think it's just amazing places to try out and go skiing they're a, a perfect place for a whole week um uh, uh ian yeah i mean Favorite resorts in France, although I said, you know, don't go to Chamonix in uh, in August, Chamonix remains, you know, probably <laughs> one of my favorite places, favorite ski resorts uh, anywhere, because skiing there is is truly, uh, you know, excellent. There's uh, it's lots of lots of steeps, lots of uh, off piste. You know, it keeps it snow uh, pretty well. It's um, you know, if you can get to go with a guide when you're uh, there, there's so much to explore. But otherwise, I mean, you know, the, the Three Valleys is a nice place to go with your with your family, where you can go uh, and ski just a, a big uh, area, you know. Um, but Chamonix, Chamonix is my favourite. You really should try Valdez there. I mean, what's, you've got to go there one day, one day in your life. Um, Alan wants to know, Ian, um, what is Morsey like in the summer? Quickly. Yeah, I went there uh, last summer. I did a trail race there um, around Morzine and Avoriaz. And yeah, I mean, if you're into mountain biking, there's a lot of mountain bikers uh, there, like hardcore mountain biking. But um, yeah, it's a good resort because it's quite big. There's, uh, there's a lot going on there. Uh, and they have a really good uh, sports centre uh, there as well, with an indoor and an outdoor pool. And that outdoor pool, when the weather is good, is a you know really nice place to uh, to hang out. So you've got you know, a combination of lots of uh, lots of different things there. Um, it it yeah, does look it, fun. I've never been there in the summer myself, but it does look like it would be a good fun place. Yeah. Um, uh, so thanks for that question, um, Alan. And there's got one last question. Here. I think we're going to wrap up in just. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm running out of water, and my children are probably hey. back from their trek in the forest to um, gate crush this um, particular recording. Um, it's from Bernie Ed. He says, "Greetings from Austria. How about skiing in Austria? Come on. Um, I'm not sure if this is an invite, a threat, or <laughs> um, just you know." Uh, commentary on the show the fact we hardly ever talk about austria i mean i'm keen to go to ishkul right now it seems like it's a hot spot uh, <laughs> oh, i'm happy to, to head over there but, but uh, we i don't ski in austria very much i've got to be honest um, i have been in a few times um ben, you already have skied in ishkul and i think it is great 
um uh i'd like to go there more solden is a really good place to go um to go skiing and also if you're ever playing uh the movie um ski resort um mashup game then solden i the james bond is an excellent answer um so ian how much have you done a lot of skiing in austria um you know i um, was lucky enough to learn to ski in st anton uh and you know was taken to uh from a young age and they actually met in uh, in Obergurgel, you know back in the day so uh, you know I'm a big fan of St Anton if you ask me about the three resorts my favorite resorts they would be Chamonix, St Anton and Zermatt and they're lucky enough to have you know skied a, a reasonable amount in all of those places you know St Anton I, I, for me has a mix of of everything uh, that you need uh, in a ski resort again it's got you know that big off-piste area you know loads of options with guides particularly now how it links in uh, you know a little bit further on with the other areas in the Arlberg um, but we I did um, go out to um, Innsbruck and Kutai a couple of years ago and Innsbruck is actually quite a good place to base yourself as well um, you know there's some really interesting architecture there and it's within reach of lots of different um, resorts really you know, in a short uh, distance from there, which can be quite high. In the case of Kutai, if I recall correctly, I think it's about 2,000 metres there. So not a huge area, but, <clears throat> excuse me, reliable snow. So, yes, I'd like to ski in Austria more, and uh, hopefully that'll happen next season. Well, I'm going to go and stay with Bernie. I think he is offering us somewhere to stay in his school. So I'm keen to go there straight away. Um well, I think we're going to wrap up here. Um, I will say, Bernie, thank you very much for your contribution. A bit late to the party. Um, but he's got a good point here. The next season will still happen. We're very um, likely to be um, the programme for tour operators generally, but we shall see. We'll see what happens. Um, and maybe it's time to think of the train and stuff like that. Right, I'm going to go because I can hear my children coming up the garden path and, um, you know, I to shout at them in front of all of you people. Ian, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, everybody, um, for contributing. Um, um, bye-bye. Should we, should we hum the thing?